Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. I want to I want to title my message with a rhetorical question tonight. It's a question that the Lord posed to Abraham when he was going through the wilderness on his way to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And he stopped and he visited with Abraham. And as the story goes, uh, Sarah laughed at something that the Lord told Abraham. And the Lord simply responded, is there anything too hard for God? Say that with me. Is there anything too hard for God? Father, I thank you for this time together. Over the next few moments, I pray that you'll do what no man can do, that you'll open the hearts of every individual here, that you'll speak life, guidance, correction, blessing, revelation, hope, and faith today. And we thank you ahead of time, and we bless you, Father. Amen and amen. Anybody love Jesus here tonight? Let's go. Let's start with some news. I talked about this morning about accenting the good, punctuating the excellent, and dismiss the bad. Let's look at the top stories of 2021. The COVID-19 debacle continue to give us new variants, new vaccines, new confusion around the world with no end in sight. Illegal immigration in the U.S. set another record high, over 1.7 million over the previous year, encouraged by the current administration. As 2021 came to a close, Iran... By some estimates, estimates is just a month away from acquiring weapons-grade uranium. Supply chains for goods have created shortages in many areas of lives. Shipping ports around the world are backed up and no end in sight. Ford Motor Company projected it would lose 1.1 million vehicle sales. Not $1.1 million, 1.1 million vehicle sales in 2021 because of semiconductor shortages. In the United States alone, the size of the workforce fell by 5 million people from the start of the pandemic. There's a worldwide surge in inflation with the U.S. inflation rate at 6.8%, the highest in 40 years. Democracy worldwide is under attack. Fledgling democracies in Myanmar, Chad, Mali, Guinea, and Sudan were all ousted by coups. Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny was imprisoned after returning from Germany to Russia. You want to go to jail Stand up in Russia against Putin, and you'll go to jail. China tightened its grip on Hong Kong. Cuba arrested thousands of critics after its largest protests in history. And, of course, our own presidential election in 2020 was, for any intellectually honest person, suspect, to say the least. The U.S. economy shrank in 2020 for the first time ever and continued in 2021. And I haven't even touched on the moral decay of our nation. So with all of that negative very, but very factual account of what's going on in our world, it begs to question, can God do anything about this? I mean, really, can he? Let's bring it down a level or two. Can God do anything about my situation and where I am and where I live? Well, let's look at this familiar story in the Bible that faced with seemingly impossible situations. It's found in Genesis chapter 18. Now, the story is that uh, 
Abraham and his wife Sarah and all of his entourage were, were camped out there in the area where they were living. His son, his, uh, his nephew Lot and his family were camped down in the valley. They lived in Sodom and Gomorrah area. And the Lord and angels came by three men. And Abraham, I believe, recognized the presence of the Lord. And he brought them in. He says, let, let, me, let, me, get you, let me get you something to eat. Let me, let me to. So he goes into his wife and he says, uh, here, here, you need three, need three cakes of, of meal and flour together and make us some cakes. And he went out to the field and he, he grabbed a, a fine young calf and he took it to the, to the young men and had them to slaughter it and prepare it. Now, you know, this was not a microwave lunch. Okay, they, he didn't say, you know, you guys sat down and Sarah, you know, popped some Pop-Tarts in the microwave or some Jimmy Dean breakfast sandwiches. And we're, no, 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 no. If you know how long it takes to slaughter an animal, skin it out, cut the meat up, cook it and do all of that. This was a meal that was prepared. And they sat down and they began to talk. In verse 9, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So she said, well, she's in the tent over there. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. The Bible says Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. She was eavesdropping. So she's on the other side of the tent with, with her ear up to the tent, listening to the conversation. And he says, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, you've got to understand, they were pushing 100 years old. And this man says, Sarah is going to have a son. Sarah was listening. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Like that where it says they were old. What, what classifies old? We, we have this thing in our church called the joy group, just older youth. When I came there, it started at 55. But every time I get close to the age, I move it up. It's now at 70. I'm still not in that group. I've had the same barber for the last 30 years. His name's Billy. He used to cut Rush Limbaugh's hair, if you've heard of Rush Limbaugh. And uh, he's 79 years old. And, and recently he had a little illness and he was in the hospital and I need to get a haircut. So I asked my son-in-law, where do you go? So he tells me where it went. So it went. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not cold. Sorry. I'm good. Uh, so I go, I go to this new place, and it's all women. It's like four women that's cutting hair. It's okay. So I go, and what's your name? You know, they sign me up, and I go sit down, and they cut my hair. and what I'm checking out, and the lady says, how old are you? And I'm like, What the, so I told her. She said, well, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. And I'm like, <laughs> whether she's lying or not, you know, I just, it's okay. And I said, by, by the way, why did you ask my age? She said, oh, you get a senior discount. It's $3 off. I said, lady, I have never asked for a senior discount in my entire life. It's one of my last things I'm holding on to. I will not ask for the senior discount. I'm paying full price. <laughs> and 
Abraham and Sarah were old. I think my dad's old. He's 89, okay? Verse 12, therefore Sarah laughed within herself. So, I mean, she didn't laugh out loud. She's like, (laughs) saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, why does Sarah laugh? You know, there's many times in our life we think God's not listening, but he is. He hears everything we say. And it has an impact. He says, why, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Now, you've got, we've got to understand the context of who's talking here. Okay? If, if this is Jesus, a pre-Messianic uh, appearance of Jesus, and I believe it was because it uses the word Lord. So I don't think they're called an angel's Lord. So so I believe it's a pre-Messianic appearance of Jesus. And he said, why did Sarah laugh? Now, you've got to understand who is talking. This is God incarnate. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. This is the one that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Where John said in John 1.1, in the beginning was God and was the Word and the Word was with God and nothing was created without Him. And verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. This is the Lord talking, the Lord that spoke there with God the Father and created the universe. And Sarah's laughing about having a baby? Why did Sarah laugh? Can, can, can you just for a moment imagine? I can't. It's, it's hard for me to imagine the, the emotional response of the king of glory when he makes a statement that I'm going to visit your wife. She's going to have a child, a son. And then she laughs at it. And he says, what? Why did your, why did your wife laugh? I think we could add to the statement, doesn't she know who I am? Doesn't she know what I'm capable of? I mean, we're talking about the Lord that instructed an old guy to build a boat. We call it an ark. Took him a hundred years. You'd think this building project's long. A hundred stinking years. Thank you, Jesus. This is not going to take a hundred years. an old guy just told me I worked with many years ago in the coal mines when I was about 19 or 20 years old. He said every night around tipping point between four or five hours of being in the shift, he said it won't be as long as it has been. This is the God that spoke to Noah to build an ark, and he caused the animals two by two to come in that ark, and he shut it up, and he opened the fountains of the deep, and the rain came down, and 40 days it rained, and it killed everything on planet earth except for what was in that ark. That's who was talking to him. This is the Lord that said to Moses in the wilderness, throw down your staff, and it became a snake, and I would have been out right then. I don't. And he said, now reach down, pick it up, and he touched it, and he turned into staff again. 
He said, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and he did. And 10 plagues later, they left e Egypt with all the wealth of Egypt. But then they got cornered at the Red Sea, and God says, hold your staff out of the water. Sure, that's a great idea, God. Pharaoh's army's bearing down on us. The people want to stone me, and you got this stick thing in your head again. So he holds that staff out over the water, and the wind of God, the breath of God, blows that sea back and dries the ground, and they go over on dry ground, and they get safe on the other side, and Pharaoh's army thinks they can do the same thing. As they come through, angels begin to take the wheels off of the chariots, and they've been bumping down the road and falling out, and then the water comes in and destroys the army. The instrument that God used to deliver them, he used to destroy their enemies. That's who said, why did Sarah laugh? Are you getting a picture here? This is the God that told Joseph to march around Jericho seven days and seven days, seven times, and then blow trumpets and shout, and the walls of the city literally came down. This is the same Lord that walked in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they said, we will not bow down and worship you, O king. Our God will deliver us. But if he doesn't, oh, I love that. You see, you got to get it down on the inside of you that, that live or die, sink or swim, you're going to praise the Lord and put him first in your life in every way. He said, if we die, we die, but we are not going to violate our principles, the word of God, and our convictions. And the old king looked in there and said, didn't we throw three in there bound? But I see four walking around, and one's like the Son of God. He don't know who the Son of God is. He don't know anything about the Son of God. But all of a sudden, there's an epiphany. There's a revelation of it. A heathen king can recognize the Lord is walking in the fire with them, and they come out, they don't even smell burned. That's who said, why did Sarah laugh? Are you getting this here tonight? This is the Lord. This is the Lord that with, when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den for prey, lion's mouths were shut up and he laid there and slept, listened to the purring and the moaning of the lions all night. And the next morning, the king comes and yells, Daniel, you okay, buddy? <laughs> Daniel says, oh, this lion's a little lumpy to lay on, but other than that, I'm good, I'm good. Says, all right, let's see about your enemies, and pulls Daniel out and throws them in. That, that's, that's the Lord that said, Why did Sarah laugh? We can go on. Jonah and the whale experience. Elijah calls fire down from heaven and turns a nation back to God. And they had a Jezebel and Ahab leading them too. And then Elisha's double portion. When he walked away with the double portion of the anointing of the Holy Ghost on his life, the widow's smart jaw, smart jaw of oil, that, that she said, we're going we're gonna to have one little cake, and my son and I are going to die because we don't have anything else. The prophet said, you make me a cake, and you're going to eat from now on. And she did, and they did. And every time she poured that cruise out, they, they had food. And then the widow that, that said to the prophet, my, 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 my husband's died. They're going to come take my boys for the money that I owe him. And he says, he says, you, 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 you do this, you go get some vessels and borrow them and, and take your little cruise of oil and pour it in there. 
she filled up enough barrels of oil to go from having her house repossessed one day to being on the board of the bank the next day and live. Because the prophet said, sell and pay your debt and live on the rest. How many like to have a miracle like that? She never had to have another miracle in her life because that's the same Lord that said, why did Sarah laugh? Teenage boy walks up a hill to a giant that's blaspheming God. He says, I'm going to rip you in pieces. He says, you come to me with a shield and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Most High. And he took a rock out of his pocket and a sling and one little sling and zap and dropped him in his socks right there. Now, the, the power of God that enabled him to do that is the same one sitting there and looking at Abram across from the table there while they're having their meals saying, why did Sarah laugh? Can, can you see the constraint of the Lord many times when we question his ability in our life? Can, can, you, can we just a little bit conceptualize the angst the surprise when we question God even about the most little things and God is thinking, really? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? That's what he said to Abraham. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Why is she laughing? Of all the things I've spoke the universe into existence, you think I can't bring life back to the womb of an old person? You think I can't bring life back to your seed? Why did she laugh? I wonder if God feels that way today about us many times. We read a promise in his word. I'm preaching to me as well as you. And we say, well, yeah, that looks, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. And God is saying, what? Why are you laughing? Why are you doubting my word? Thank you, guys. That timer up there started at 35. It's still on 35. Bless you. I've still got 35 minutes. Thank you. I just noticed that. Don't worry, I'm used to preaching with a 23-minute time clock, so that's, but it usually moves. It doesn't just, you know. Is there anything too hard for God? It was a rhetorical question that the Lord spoke to Abraham. Is there anything, now they set it to 23, but it's still not moving. You guys are funny. I love you. Let's look at Abraham's situation and see if we resemble it some way. Why did she laugh? That's my question. That's what the Lord said. Why did she laugh? Well, that's my question too. Why did she laugh? I think she laughed the same reason that you and I do sometimes. Let me give you three quick things here. Number one, past failure. I think she laughed because she had past failure. 
Because she and her husband Abraham had tried and tried and tried and tried years after year after year of productivity. When, when she was productive, when, 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 she, when she ovulated, and when, when he was strong, they tried, they tried, they tried, they tried, they tried, they tried, and they failed, and they failed, and they failed, and they tried, and they failed. They had past failures. They had experienced years of failure to become pregnant and have a child. Let me ask you this. Do you have any past failures? We all have past failures, don't we? You know, one of the things that, that, is, that, that I think is remarkable, and it's so, so very, very sad in the kingdom of God and the Christian world that we live in, is that too often we, we define God by our experiences. There, there are denominations with, with, uh, with uh, doctrines that the doctrine is not based on the Word of God. The doctrine is based on some guy's experience, and so it didn't work the way he thought it should, so he came up with a new doctrine that this is the will of the Lord, just like healing. I don't understand everything about healing. I don't, I don't have all the questions, let alone all the answers, but you know when I read my Bible, I read it where it says, I am the Lord God that heals. I read where he sent his Word and healed them in Psalms. In Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forgetting all those benefits, who forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. Everywhere Jesus went, he went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. When the lepers came to him, he said, if you want to, you can make me whole. Jesus said, I want to. One translation says, I'm willing. Nowhere in the New Testament or the Word of God was Jesus ever confronted by anybody that was sick, and Jesus said, I don't want to. Not one time did he say, no, I'm not willing. He healed all of them. The Hebrews tells me that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I prayed for people, and they died. I prayed for people that did get better. So I can either measure God or define him by my experience, or I can define him by his word. I choose the word. I choose the word. I'm going to choose what God said about him and what the word of God tells me. Well, you just like a little understanding. I like a lot of understanding, but I can read. And if Jesus ever did anything for anybody at any place at any time, he can do it for me and you right here, right now. That's a motto my wife has lived on, my wife and I have lived on ever since we went to ministry. God, if you've ever done it anywhere for anybody at any point in time in history, you'll do it for us right here, right now in this place. Because he's no respecter of persons. Why did Sarah laugh? Past failures. The great leader during World War II of, of England, the Prime Minister Winston Churchill, once said, success is not final, failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Well, it didn't work for me. Add the word yet on that. Yeah. Why did she laugh past failure? Another reason she laughed was because of current futility. Verse 11, they were old, well advanced in years, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. This created a no-hope scenario for the couple. 
In the natural, in the natural, there was, are you getting anything tonight? In the natural, there was no hope. Okay. But this is an earth solution. But they were with somebody that was not of this earth. You see, we, we, we measure things by earth solutions, but we need to measure it by God's solutions. There was a current futility. They did not physically have the physical capabilities to have a child. That, that, wasn't an, that was a fact. It was a fact of life. But God has something. God understands the facts that you and I go through. He understands the facts of our lives. But God has something that's stronger than a fact. It's called truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you. The fact might be that there's a physical problem, there's a sickness, there's an illness. It is a fact. It is a diagnosed, proven fact. But the truth is, I am the Lord God that healeth thee. Now, that's just one area. The fact may be you have anxiety and fear and worry, but the truth is God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Cast all your care on him, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your care, that word means anxiety and worry and fear. Cast it on him, for he cares for you. See, that's the truth. And what we do is we recognize the facts, but we apply the truth to the facts. Sarah didn't. She laughed because of her current futility. She didn't see. She was looking for a natural solution. There was no natural solution, but there was a supernatural solution. That's why the Lord said, what? Why did she laugh? You know, if you're facing a no-hope scenario today, maybe you're not looking in the right direction for your hope. Here's the last thing I see. There was a past failure. There was current futility, but also a challenge of faith. Verse 10 says, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, that's called a promise. Are you with me? That, that's a promise. Everybody say promise. They received a promise from God. Now, I, I would dare say that everybody here at some point in time have received a promise from God in some way. The Word of God, all the promises is for us. I know that. They're all yea and amen. I understand that. But there are times when God, the Holy Spirit, when you're reading the Word or you're praying or singing to the Lord, will take a promise out of the Word of God and make it personal to you, and boom, that's a word. That's a, we call that a rhema word. It's, it's, a, it's a word from the Lord of the Holy Spirit igniting you. Uh, I can remember back in uh, many, many years ago when we were pioneering our first church. We were in a dilapidated building and in a little town and cold town and church was growing. And, and we, by miracle, were able to buy some property. And, uh, and thinking about, you know, we got to build a church, got to build it. But here I am, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I don't know if I can. I'm still working six days a week in the underground coal mine. I'm not even, the church has grown to 170, 180 people, and, and I'm working that and doing the church and all this, and I don't know, it's a big leap of faith. And, 
And I remember sitting in my bed one night, and I was reading from Nehemiah, Arise and build. Every church in the world's used that scripture. But I'd, I'd never used it. Arise and build, I will prosper you. Man, that was a rhema word. It hit me right here. And we did. Couldn't get anybody to loan us any money. Nobody believed in us. I finally got a banker to finally loan us some money. They said, you can't build it for that much money. And eight months later, we moved in it for that much money. We built it in budget. Did that 24 months later, we finished our second building on that and didn't have any problem borrowing the money for that one. There's a lot of people willing to loan us some money on that second one. It's a rhema word. What rhema word has God dropped in your heart? Because you see, when you receive a word like that from the Lord, you have a choice to embrace it, believe it, or reject it. The Lord may be giving you a word tonight on something while I'm talking, but you've got a choice to believe that word, to embrace that word in your life, to mix your faith with it. You, you got to, I want somebody to prophesy over me. Let me tell you, somebody prophesies a word of the Lord over you. You've got a choice to accept that, pray that into your life. Don't just walk away and say, well, we'll see about that. We'll just see if it comes about. If it don't, they're just a false prophet. The only reason, I'm not a big drinker, really. The only reason I'm doing this is hot tea, and it helps my throat. It don't do anything for my preaching, but it does help my throat. <laughs> when you get a rhema word, you've got to act on that word. You've you got to embrace that thing. You've got to wrap your faith around that thing. It says, it, from here, it's me and Jesus from here on out. We, I'm going to ride this thing all the way to the finish line in my life. Whatever God drops in your heart, you've got to believe that and receive it in your life. They had a choice to do that, and they did eventually. You and I have the same. We know the end of the story. She does have a son, of course, Isaac. Do you know, I'm sure those of you Bible students, you know this, but all, all names in the Old Testament, they have a meaning. Do you know what Isaac means? Laughter. She named her son Laughter. Guess who had the last laugh? Every time she called his name, he's lay Laughter. Come on in here and eat supper, boy. Laughter, you sat down. I see you do that one more time. <laughs> Laughter. The Lord said, What? Why did Sarah laugh? Is the Holy Spirit saying that to you right now? Is He speaking anything to you right now? What? You may not have laughed like Sarah did on the inside, but. Maybe you got a word from the Lord and you're just like, oh, really? Yeah, I've been there, done that. Uh-huh, sure. I'm talking about a word from the Lord. When you, when you get that on the inside of you, when you know that you know that you know that the Lord is putting a word on the inside of you, when you, when you know that, don't let anything steal that from you. I don't care if you're 10 years old or you're 110 years old or anywhere in between, don't let anything steal the word of the Lord from your heart. Embrace that. Are you facing something tonight? It's like, I don't see you. I don't really see you. 
I don't, I don't see a solution to this. But you know, there's one who does. There's one who does. It's the Lord. He's high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star. He's the king of glory. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. He's the great shepherd. He's the weeping prophet. He's all of those things. And when he says something, he just expects us to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Are you facing something right now? You need a touch from God. You need a word from God in your life. You need a word of the Lord in your life. Are you dealing with something right now? Maybe not as big as what Adam or Abraham and Sarah was dealing with, but it's still a big deal. It's a big deal for you. It's, it's, it's huge. Are you going to laugh? You're going to believe God. Is the Lord going to look at your situation and say, what? 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 Why did they laugh? I gave them my word. What? What? Why did they doubt? What, what did they reject it? Why? Why? Can't answer all those questions. Only you can answer that for you. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? What's happening on the inside? Anybody here need a word from the Lord? Just raise your hand all over this place. I need a word. I need a promise from God. And there's two ways to really get a promise from God. Number one, get in the Word, get in the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Immerse yourself in the Word and let the Word speak to you. And number two, spend time in prayer with the Lord, listening. Not talking, listening. I'm going to be transparent with you. It's the hardest thing for me to do. I'm, I'm an alpha, get up and get it done. I mean, when my feet hit the floor, I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm going I'm to run. I, go, 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 go. And it's extremely hard, but I know one thing. If I want to get a word from the Lord, I've got to listen. Not only do I need to pray, but I need to just sit in the presence of God and listen. You've got seven more days with your 21 days of prayer and fasting. Our church is doing the same thing. I just excluded Kenai Dip from my fasting. And I think the Lord's pleased with that because I'm in Alaska, so. <laughs> but during this last week of prayer and fasting, I, I challenge you to do something in your prayer time. Listen more than you pray. Go through your process so you pray, but just listen. Just sit there in the presence of God. Ten minutes will seem like a lifetime, but do it anyway. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, do it anyway. Just sit in the presence of God and listen. And it's out of those times the Holy Spirit dropped that word in your heart. I'm expecting a residual effect from this night. 
throughout this year in your life if you just simply put this to practice. I don't ever want the Lord in my life to say, why did he laugh? I don't know if I'm the only one I'm preaching to here tonight. That just grips my heart. That we would grieve the spirit of the living God by doubting him in any form or fashion, in any level in our life. And I've been guilty of it too. I don't ever want the Lord again to say, why? Why did Gary respond that way? Don't he remember all the things I've done? Doesn't he remember the time that I that I helped him out of this and I helped him out of that and I helped him out of this? Doesn't he remember? Why is Gary laughing? Oh, I didn't laugh, Lord. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. I was flying in Saturday morning. The red eye arrived at 154. And I slept most of the way from Salt Lake City. I love Delta. They bumped me up to first class. Thank you, Jesus, on that long flight. And I was right on 1C, right there at the bulkhead, you know. And uh, and I heard him say, you know, we're in our final descent. So I, I just set up. And uh, I started having that feeling. You know, in the pit of your stomach. That you're going to be sick. The light's on. You can't get up. I can see the door. As I'm on the first row, I can see the, oh, oh Jesus, no, I'm, I can't do this. I can't do this. Okay, can't. And I just began to plead the blood of Jesus over me. And it got stronger. And it got stronger. And it got stronger. I said, Jesus, I'm going to Alaska to preach all week long. I cannot be sick. I can't. I cannot. I cannot not be sick. I'll not have this. And I just spoke the words to Jesus. And it got to the point. Now we're descending. We're 15 minutes or so from landing. But it got so bad, I unbuckled my seatbelt and started to get up to run to the bathroom. Uh, they don't catch me. I go in there and lock the door. But when I did, it was just like a hand on my chest. I mean, I leaned forward to get up and like a hand on my chest. And I just sat there. I just froze. And I just sat there. And in a matter of 60 seconds, the nauseous feeling left. And you know it don't happen like that. I was there. You know what I'm talking about? And it just dissipated. And it just left. And my body returned to normal. And I leaned back my seat. I buckled my seatbelt. 
We landed. I was the first off the plane. Been healthy ever since. Don't, don't tell me, don't tell me that God can't do anything. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is always no. What are you facing right now in your life? What are you facing in your family? What are you facing in your finances? You may say, I ain't facing nothing. It's all good right now. Wonderful, wonderful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Enjoy the moment. Jesus gave us a great promise. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Well, thank you very much. What was he saying? I know the reality of what my children are going to go through, but I've already paid the price on Calvary for you to have victory in everything that you go through in life and everything you do. So